excuse me, I want to talk together and talk about um, just the basics. What is evangelism? What is it? In your mind, how would you define evangelism? It's really just sharing, spreading, sharing the gospel. Yeah, just sharing the gospel, spreading the gospel. <coughs> you know, the word spreading kind of given, gives the imagery of a farmer going out and spreading seed. You go out and you plant it. You go stick it in the ground. Um, you don't know if that seed particular that you planted in that one little dome is actually going to grow. It might die and not produce anything. Or it might take root and grow and flourish. Sometimes that little seed will produce a plant, but that plant doesn't actually produce any fruit. Nevertheless, you don't have control over that, do you? As a farmer, you can do some things to help that soil and help that process as it grows and you can help it flourish. That's something that we call discipleship. Um, but when you plant that seed, you're not really in control over that seed. Um, so it's, you, know, you spread the gospel. Think about yourself as a farmer. Your, your job isn't to go out and make people believe. You're to spread the gospel. What, it, what does gospel mean? Good news. Good news. There's nothing too difficult about that. Good news. What is good? What is the good? Th There's a lot of good things that we can talk about, but what is this good that we're talking about in the good news? What's the good that we want people to know about? Christ. Okay. What about Christ? Because a lot of people believe about believe in Christ. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. He rose again. And he rose again. He's resurrected. What's, what, what's so good about Jesus dying for our sins? What's so good about that? Why is that so good? I mean, this, he died. That's not very good. We don't have to pay for it. We don't have to pay for our sins. He died for the sins. His death was because of his payment. He was being punished for our sins. That was the process of death. He was being punished because he didn't want you to be punished. So he was punished. <clears throat> so you don't have to be. That's good for you. That's good for him. I mean, Jesus did it willingly, right? Um, so that's so evangelism. It's good. And what is you know? We have to take that good and we have to turn it into news, don't we? That's the activity on our part. We take that good message and we turn it into news. That's evangelism. You're taking the good message, Jesus's atonement for our sins, the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. And we take that, that we, which we have received, and we turn it into news to the people around us. You know, what good is something being true if it doesn't make the paper so that people can read about it? If it's just information sitting over here, you know, like the old saying, does a, if a tree falls in, in the forest and nobody's around to hear it, does it really make a noise? <laughs> well, that's true. But what, in, the same, in a sense, what good is what Jesus did if, people don't hear about it. What good is it to them if they don't ever get an opportunity to, to submit themselves to the way of Christ to receive that good news? So not only is it the good, but it's also the news that we are giving to people. As news people, news, we're, we're, you're an anchor. <laughs> you're an anchor man, an anchor woman. <laughs> you know, on the news, telling people what's, what the story is. 
telling them what the story of, of eternity is, not just the story of the day. Why does God want you and me to evangelize? Why does he want you and me to evangelize? Why not just send out prophets? Why does he want all of us to do it? Why not just have prophets like the Old Testament where they just you, they have the job? Why does he want all of us to do it? That was his plan. Okay? So he planned it all ahead all ahead of time. Why did he plan it that way? He could have planned to just have, send out prophets. Why does he want you to do it? You know, insert your name here. Hi, my name is David. Why does God want David to go tell people to the good news? Just a different angle of um, accessibility as far as him using Thanks, honey. <laughs> <laughs> And that's, isn't that why it's kind of called a, a witness? What is a witness? Like, what? First-hand experience. When you call a witness to a stand in a, in a courtroom, what is, why is that witness there? Testify. To testify of what they saw and knew. So when we are called to be, the reason you are called to be a witness is because you see it. You know it. You're there. You've been there. You've been saved. So you have something to tell. You have something to testify about. That's a test. You know, we use words, you know, be a witness, or I have a testimony. Your, a testimony is you testifying to what you've seen and heard and have come to know. A witness is because you've seen it. You see the truth. You've received it. So you have something that you can impart to one who may be trying to figure out for themselves. Like in a courtroom, you have the people are trying to figure out what the truth is in that courtroom. And that witness is up there giving their testimony so that the people can decipher what the truth is. So you are on a stand to provide your testimony of the things that you witnessed in your own life. And if you have been a recipient of the grace of God, you are a witness to something. You don't exist in a vacuum. <coughs> There's something there that you, can, that you have to tell about. And if you keep silent, the wrong verdict may, may be accepted by the jury. <laughs> if you have a witness to what happened, if you have a, have a testimony, if you saw what happened... 
And just like in that courtroom, you sit down, the wrong verdict may come about for that jury. We have the truth. So we need to put the truth before the people. They get to decide what they want to believe, okay? You don't get to decide for them what they get to believe. But the reason why God wants you and me to evangelize, because each one of you is before your own type of jury. Okay, You're all in a different courtroom. You know people that I don't know. You know people that she doesn't know. You know, you know people that they don't know. Now in a small town, there's fewer people that one person knows than the other person doesn't. But <laughs> still... You're close to somebody that you're not close to. People trust you, but they don't trust you because there's a different relationship. You have family members that we don't have. Our circles are different. We have a different jury in front of us who needs to consider what is the truth so that we can make a decision. And we are a witness to testify to what we've seen and heard before our own juries. Does that make sense? Now, this is... I'm going to give you a minute here. Think of some times when you shared the gospel with someone. Just think of some times, recent, times past. Hopefully we've shared the gospel with somebody in the past year or so. Um, Take a second and think about it. Perhaps it's the last person you shared the gospel with. Now, when you sh- now I want you I want you guys to talk to me, talk to, you know, bear witness. <laughs> okay. The last time you shared the gospel with somebody, how did that how did that come about? How did that conversation start? Somebody having to have a story they like just so you know, don't feel like you're bragging, okay? Cuz this is something that we're called to do. This is not a good deed by which we merit favor from God, okay? So you're not bragging. Just throw that out there. We're just sharing with each other so we can learn from each other. So that we can, you know, as, what is it, Hebrews, let me see here. I think it's Hebrews 10.31, what does it say here? No, that's not it. Hebrews 10, I can't remember exactly the passage, but so that we might stir one another up to love and good works, wherever that is in the scriptures. I can't remember the exact reference. But this is us trying to stir one another up to love and good works, okay? Not bragging about good works that we've done. So don't feel like you can't say anything just because you feel like you might be bragging. We all understand it's not that. So if somebody has an example, the last time, perhaps it was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody, have that conversation start.
knock me out of my socks. He said exactly what I told somebody. You know, I'll, I'll believe when I understand. Mm-hmm. When I understand. Yeah. When I learn more, I'll, I'll, I'll believe. Well, uh, then I, of course, told him both you believe first, and then the understanding will follow. Yeah. And that was the conversation we had. It was interesting that he put up the same defense that I had done. Yeah. <clears throat> Because at our very core, right, a lot of us just, we just think the same. We, we all come from the same starting place in response to this other truth that we haven't yet believed. What else? Anybody else have an example of a time, time that you shared the gospel with somebody? How do you remember that conversation starting? What were you doing? So, Kirk, we were working. You were working alongside of somebody, and you brought it up just... Is a point of conversation while you were working. You did it to somebody who was around. The kids are always around you, (laughs) hanging off of you. (laughs) Right? Because that's your sphere. What else? Anybody else have an example to offer? She chosen to go to a different room or something, or you just hadn't heard from her afterwards. No, she moved out. She moved out. I came yeah. Home and yeah. <clears throat> it was all yeah. It reminds me of a Bible reference. You know, it's foolishness to those who don't believe. You know, isn't that kind of the reversal? It's like it's foolishness if you don't believe it, but if you believe it, then you see. Right? And then you, like you said at the beginning, like when you first got saved, like I can't believe I didn't see this before. That's the way the that's the way the truth, the eternal truths work. You you submit yourself to God and then he shows you in your understanding. There. He came to me one time 
knocked on my door when I, I was home. Came and knocked on the door like at eight o'clock at night, all upset, and they had lost their baby. And so he stood there on my doorstep, just sharing everything that had gone wrong. And after I got done listening for an hour, mm -hmm. it gave us an opportunity to talk about more important things. So mm -hmm. sometimes it takes a tragic situation. Yeah someone to maybe let that defense down. Right. But more often than not, I'd say it's pretty rare that somebody just meets somebody on the street and shares the gospel and they're saved. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the time yeah. it takes a long time of some kind of relationship that's been built, even mm -hmm. if it's several months or a year. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of religious things associated with that, but somebody right. doing something with another family or person right. builds that relationship before that conversation ever comes. Right. That came about because he was watching how we lived our lives and not that we were perfect. Yeah. But for some reason, he knew he could come to me yeah. and talk to me about that situation. And from then mm -hmm. on, he started going to church mm -hmm. and trying to look for the Lord on what happened after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was an experience that uh, <coughs> I wasn't looking for that night, but I yeah. myself in a hurry. Right. And you know the whole, the whole, our whole Christian belief—it's form—it's formed on the foundation of unity. You start with the unity of the Trinity, and you have the unity of marriage. You have the unity of the church. And the Bible says that people will see, the outsiders will see, the love that the church has for each other, and then they will glorify the Father in heaven. So, and you also see from that, like. The people, the outsiders need to see that what you're saying and the way you're living your life, how you conduct yourself, are unified. You're not saying, I have faith in this Jesus Christ, or the scriptures, I'm devoted to him, and then your life looks nothing like that. Or what person wants to, you know, somebody who's tossing back, tossing around in their mind, man, this Christian stuff, maybe it's truth, and they walk into this church and you know, they hear bickering and fighting and a lack of love, lack of unity. Like, well, that confirms it in my head. This is not the place that has the truth. You know? Because people, people are discerning, and they can see when something isn't fitting. So in our lives, if we're going to say the gospel, well, then we also have to show it. We have to be living it. Proclaiming Christ, well, people are more likely to trust you if your life is... what's. What's, what's that, homogenized? The parts are operating as one. One, one whole. And there's not one part that's, er, that's, that doesn't fit with what they say, what they're living and doing. That doesn't fit. People don't trust you with what you say in that case. And it takes time, right? Because this is, like I said, it's foolishness to those who are unbelieving. So, if they already approach it as, this is foolishness, this can't be the truth. What do you think that after one conversation, like Darren says, they're just supposed to believe because you said they needed to? We can't, we can't enter into gospel conversations with that expectation. Well, if you don't do what I say, then you're just going to go to hell. Well, there's some truth in that. But you're coming to that conversation with a false expectation. That just because you said it, well, they just have to understand it all of a sudden. So sometimes we drive people away, not because we're saying something wrong, but we're saying it wrongly. 
We're having fault, we have wrong expectations about how evangelism should work out. Anything? Does anybody else want to give a story? Yeah. asking a question like that. It is, in that lady's life, that was a seed that stuck in the ground and irritated her until <laughs> she let it grow. <laughs> you know? But it was somebody that you corresponded with at work. However briefly. But no, that's a good point. Like, we can't expect ourselves to always be the one who's supposed to be bearing the harvest. There's a scripture passage about that, and I think we're going to get to it throughout in the book somewhere. But, you know, one person plants, another person waters, and another person reaps the harvest, and all, and at one point, all of you will rejoice over that soul together. One day. Because you all had a part. You know, the person who planted the seed isn't the one who reaps the harvest. The one who reaps the harvest gets heralded as, as this successful evangelist. But the person who planted the seed had just as much to do with it because that person who reaped the harvest would not have reaped the harvest if that seed hadn't been planted and then watered. And in that scripture passage, it, takes, it took at least three people to bring a person to Christ. The planter, the waterer, the harvester. That's three, different, three separate occasions. Perhaps three different people. So sometimes we have a conversation with somebody, a gospel-centered conversation, and it seems like it goes nowhere, and we get frustrated. But it's not the end, because that person will go somewhere else, get watered, and they'll go somewhere else, somebody will reap a harvest. You don't know about it. One day you'll know about it, 
Who knows what kinds of people will see up there and will rejoice with them? Like what? I didn't. I didn't even know that I had such an impact on this person. So I never. I never saw them again. Anything else you'd like to add? Any other story? You know, there's some of that stuff like Hollywood puts out stuff and videos and movies that completely obliterate the true biblical account of how things happened. Um, Jesus Christ Superstar, you know, even the name of it sounds kind of disrespectful. I've never seen the, the production, but those things, th- there is still some good that comes out of that because they are conversation starters. You know, people talk about them. And then that's like an open road, like, oh, when the movie Noah came out with Russell, whatever his name is, Crow, Russell Crow, is that what his name was? People were talking about that all over the place. Even though it was a horrible movie, <laughs> people talked about it. It brought up biblical conversations. And that's something that you and I can jump on. Like, oh, somebody asks you, did you see that movie? Oh, I didn't see the movie. Or, yeah, I saw the movie. And then you start talking about, you know, the truth that you have borne witness to, rather than the Hollywood version of it that other people are bearing witness of. Because those things, even though they might be, you know, bad productions, they're still conversation starters. And we should at least take the opportunity to converse. Because people, people may not respond well to you saying, hey, I want to show you something in the scriptures. But they may respond, hey, did you see that movie? People like media. People talk about that stuff. Take advantage of that. So was there ever a time? So basically, a lot of these stories that are being told, we're talking to people that we come across at work, or school, or home. People that are close to us. Some of us may still have other stories that we could tell about how it was just, you know, what? I just went door knocking one day. You know, I personally think that there's a place for that. It's sowing seed. I've never once met a person who actually got saved from that, but who's to say that that didn't take a, take a part in somebody's conversion? But most people, when they get saved, it's usually because, well, a friend, a family member, 
or I went to some crusade or, or whatnot. Some, somebody invited me to church. Somebody that I knew invited me to a Billy Graham crusade. <laughs> somebody that I, something that has to do with people crossing paths with each other on a semi-regular basis. Those are our best points of contact for spreading the gospel. But then again, have you, how, many conversa- how many gospel-centered conversations have you had with people where there wasn't a point in that conversation where you feared, where it was hard and you were afraid of awkward tension, or starting that conversation? Well, they may shove it in my face, and I don't, I'm not looking forward to that. I mean, how many of us, every time we've shared the gospel with somebody, it just flowed naturally, came easy, there was no fear whatsoever, no insecurities whatsoever. Few of us could testify to having a lot of different opportunities where it included no fear. Some of us probably have had some conversations that were pretty easy. Having those types of conversations with people who are easygoing are easier. (laughs) Having those types of conversations with people who are pretty um, opposed to it are not easy conversations. And part of the reason we're afraid of it is because, well, what if they ask a question I don't know the answer to? Or what if they give me pushback that I'm not prepared to handle? (laughs) Because the pushback is often the hardest part of dealing with these types of conversations. What if they say something harsh to me, sarcasm, Whatnot, and I don't know how to handle it. Like, I don't know how to come back at that. And going into all of this, we have to realize that you're not the Savior. You're not the Sovereign. You're not in charge of how they respond to the Gospel. Sometimes, if we dwell on that fact, it alleviates some of that tension, but at the same time, some of that tension can be good. Because it helps remind us that this is still important. You know, the most important things in life are sometimes the things that are hardest to do. That's why people don't do them. That's why we don't move forward in a lot of areas of our life, because we don't want to do the hard thing that happens to also be necessary. That's why a lot of divorces happen. People aren't willing to make the hard sacrifices, the hard humility, the hard repentance. So it's just easy, you know, it's not, divorce isn't easier, but at least I didn't have to do that awkward thing that makes me feel bad. I'd rather just divorce and blame them. Not saying that's the root of every divorce, just saying. And a lot of people don't hear the gospel because we thought about it and then we were like, eh, I'm not really into an awkward conversation today. <laughs> they're, they're a hard person, I don't really... It's not going to go well, so I'm just not going to have that conversation. These are some reasons that we don't evangelize. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not the most confident evangelist. I'm naturally a pretty, um, what's the word, Reserved, reserved person. I don't like just going up and starting conversations with people. It's not natural to me. And it's even harder for me to carry a conversation that I started. I'm not, I'm not very good at carrying conversations. I'm not, I have not learned the skill of shooting the breeze. and <laughs> um, Never been good at it. Never have. I've grown. I've grown in areas. 
but it doesn't come natural. And even just going up to somebody and talking about whatever, it doesn't even have to be the gospel. I'm afraid of it. <laughs> Deep down inside of me. I have to overcome that. But I just want to, I want to resonate with perhaps some people sitting in here. I'm, I may be a pastor, but that doesn't mean all of this is easy. You know, I, I struggle with my own fears and insecurities. And there have been many conversations in my past, regrettably, where I should have had them, but I didn't, because I was afraid. I'm the same. I've had those, those times. And we're in, the, we're in this together. We are the body of Christ. I am one of you. You are one with me in this body. Part of the reason I want to read this book through us is so that we can learn this together. Because I still have miles to go in, this, in, this, in regards to these types of things. So I'm going to be learning along with you. I'll be teaching, but I'm also learning. So I, just, I, want, I say these things because I don't want you to think that I'm coming against you as somebody who's far superior, because I'm not. I don't see myself that way. But I also see the need. Like, okay, I, I understand the fear. I understand the, the inner turmoil that happens right before you have a serious gospel conversation with somebody who could be opposed to what you're saying. I understand that. I have friends who you'd swear they'd never been afraid of anything like that in their lifetime because they're just boisterous and energetic and passionate and zealous and it doesn't even seem like they think twice about it. I've had friends like that and I was, I've spent years being jealous of those types of people. But I also understand that God has made us each differently. The Bible actually talks about evangelism as being one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not that those of us who don't have the gift of evangelism are free from having to evangelize, but some of those people who have the gift, yeah, it comes more naturally to them. Just like I stand up here teaching you, not because I'm a genius <laughs> or void of fear, but it just... It's just something that even as a teenager, just I was never I was never had a big problem standing in front of people and talking. It's just how God has made me. However, if I'm sitting down with somebody, a stranger or something, I have a really hard time talking. Because <laughs> it's just it's a different way that we're wired. Some people are wired more to having these random gospel conversations on the street with a loudspeaker. <laughs> Some people are just wired to be able to be really effective like that. I have never been one of those people. So we should not feel bad that this is hard. We're not all supposed to be superhumans with all of the abilities in Scripture. We have our giftings, but then we also have these other things that we're supposed to do. It just isn't perhaps our superior gifting from the Spirit. Just like there's the gift of faith. We are all supposed to have faith. But some people are given the gift of faith. I think of somebody like George Mueller. You know, I'm not going to go into his lifestyle, but just the, the deep, real, effective faith that that man had throughout his life. He had the gift of faith. Not everybody, else, not everybody has a life like that. With evangelism, some people have the gift of evangelism. And those people are easy. It's easy for us to be jealous of those people and their just lack of fear. <laughs> And their, their zealousness. But I just want to encourage you, don't be jealous of that, because God has gifted them for that capacity. We just need to learn to do the best that we can, because we, we also have a job here. 
we also have a responsibility to go bear witness, to testify <laughs> of what we've seen and what we've heard. So we're going to be learning that together in the coming weeks. And our time is up, um, and we need to um, partake together in communion and unify together at this time. Um, and there's a lot of the other questions that I had written down, but I think we've, I think we've had a good conversation here. Um, but this will help us, okay? It'll help us, this, con- this series. This is meant to be a help. This is not going to fix all of our problems. It's not going to take away all of our fear. This is, a lot of this is going to come between us and God, prayerfully. Sometimes we're just, we're going to have the fear and we just have to choose to overcome it. Just like the person who wants to get in better shape. You know what? Running in the morning is hard, but if you don't get up and do it, you're never going to get in shape. It's hard to stand out in front of people and share the gospel sometimes. That doesn't mean it's not God's will for you to do it. <laughs> so we, sometimes it just comes down to the choice in the moment. But going through this together will hopefully give us some tools. It'll build us. It'll help us. It'll reawaken our drive to go and be a witness of what we have seen and heard in our local and surrounding communities. So at this point, we will move on to communion.